But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Welcome to Feel Heat, episode 15. Happy Tuesday to everybody. We hope your week is starting off great. I'm your host, Day, along my co-host, Mr. Webb. What's going on, y'all? Glad to be back for another episode. Let's get into it. All right. Um, as you know, go ahead and send in your questions or your topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW. So, go ahead and jump right into the NCAA. Um, the recap for the NCAA had big wins for Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and LSU in week six. But we are going to jump right into our recaps for the games of the week. Where number seven visited number t- number seven, Auburn, excuse me, visited number 10, Florida. Um, and just what Money and I had discussed on the previous episode for Friday or Saturday morning. Florida forced Auburn to throw the ball when they ended up um, with like three interceptions, I believe. Florida proved on Saturday that so far their season has not been a fluke. Kyle Trash continues to look like he has been there and done that. Very composed in the pocket. Even though he had a couple, he had two fumbles, two turnovers, I believe. Um, But he was very fluent in the offense overall. Even the backup quarterback came in momentarily as Trash um, had got injured or hurt, but um, he even had his way with Auburn's defense. That's my key takeaway. Is just what I thought it would be all about the come down to the defensive play and the play of the quarterback. And the better of the two was not Bo Nix, it was Kyle Trash from Florida. Well, I thought that <clears throat> I thought the defensive penetration by Auburn, not even Auburn, by Florida was really good. A lot better than I expected, to be honest. But this game was really just full of mistakes. And at that point, it was really just about who made the less mistakes. And honestly, Auburn made way too many mistakes. Bo Nix, 11 for 27 with three picks. And the last one could have been a touchdown. He was just too inaccurate. He's been, he was inaccurate and sloppy with the football. But they had chances. Florida fumbled the ball a total of four times. And the best Auburn was able to get out of it was three. Obviously, Florida's receiving court is loaded, and they used it. But I think the real killer at certain points in time was LaMichael P. Ryan. I mean, 14 attempts, 130 yards, one touchdown. Even Freddie Swaim, six receptions, 146 yards with a touchdown. I mean, just everywhere we look, Auburn just they had a better game. I mean, Florida. I keep wanting to say Auburn. Yeah, I know you picked them to win. Um, it was a good game nonetheless for the most part. But towards the end, you could see um, Auburn getting gassed out. And Florida ended up pulling up the W. Go ahead and move on to um, number 25, Michigan State, at number four, Ohio State. Now, we know the rankings have changed since then. But as we have covered the games, those were the current rankings. And I will say this, Michigan State started off strong. I mean, they, they got Justin Fields a little bit uncomfortable in the first quarter of his first series, and 
I think they got two sacks on that series. I thought that, hey, we might have a real game here, but they just couldn't get the job done. Justin Fields is incredibly talented. Um, plus, Michigan State had too, too many uh, turnovers uh, that Ohio State capitalized on. And so Ohio State proved that right now in the Big Ten, they're the team to beat. Yeah, like you said, I'm going to say again, I mean, honestly, uh, the way Michigan State started off, they started off better than better than I thought. They just, they just didn't have enough. I mean, going into this game, obviously, Ohio State is the better team, so all State had to do was keep the chains moving, which they have showed severe weakness doing, but looked okay against Ohio State doing it in the beginning. I mean, their first two possessions ended in fumbles. Ohio State took whatever Michigan State gave them. When they gave Justin Fields tons of time in the pocket, he used it. When they gave him 15 yards to scramble, he took it. Somebody seemed, somebody always seemed to be open due to the time he was getting. And then when they didn't throw the ball, uh, J.K. Dobbins would bust up the field for a nice run. I mean, he had a 65-yard run in the first half for a touchdown. State just couldn't keep up. But Brian Lewerke, 20 for 38, 218 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I mean, yeah, State, they just didn't have enough, but they moved the ball better than what we've seen before. I agree with that. I agree with that. So, yeah, we will see. Um, a lot of people have Minnesota, giving Minnesota a chance to beat Ohio State <laughs> if it comes down to a um, I doubt it. Big Ten championship. I doubt it as well. I don't think they have enough. I'm not taking away from anything Coach Fleck is doing here. He's a phenomenal coach. But Ohio State is probably going to run away with the Big Ten championship this year. Easily. Uh, I don't want to say easily. I mean, because you still have teams like Penn State and Wisconsin who still are very much a threat. But I think Ohio State's going to win it too. But I just can't give it to them, you know. I mean, Wisconsin is really good. They're um, one of the better teams in the league right now, in the nation right now, obviously. But they haven't really played anybody except for Michigan, to be honest. Um, they haven't really played like a top-ranked defense uh, so far this year. So when they get their first real test of the season, I think that gives us a really fair chance to evaluate them not taking away from what they're doing because they have, like, the top five defense in the nation, one of the best offenses in the nation right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jonathan Taylor is also playing amazing. I think he had four rushing touchdowns last game and one receiving, so a total of five. He's definitely up there on the Heisman board. Um, go ahead and give us your player of the week, Webb. My player of the week is Khalil Tate, quarterback for Arizona, who beat Colorado 35-30. to And he went 31 for 41 on attempts, 404 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Great stats. And Colorado has historic, I mean, historically, at least in recent years, they've been a pretty good team in their own conference. At least from my, at least from my point of view, but yeah, no, Colorado has really been a, a good team in their conference. Um, that was a good put. That was a good pick. He was 
up there for one of my picks, but I'm going to go with um, Revan Jordan. University of Miami has seven catches, 136 yards, one touchdown, and a near comeback win against the Virginia Tech Hokies. That boy is bad, man. He Next year, he will be um, a first-round draft pick as a tight end. I mean, at one point, Virginia Tech led 28-0, and Jordan's performance was a reason for the comeback. He's just He's been unstoppable for Miami. It's just unfortunate they're not having as good as a season as people thought they were. A lot of people bought into the hype with Tate Martell going there, and then you thought, you know, Jaron Williams was a QB1 there, but they brought in um, Nicosi Perry, and he had even he had a good game. I think he had four touchdowns, over 300 yards passing. So, um, you know, maybe not this year for Miami, but next year they could probably make some noise. They might be able to get some more of that hometown, that home state talent to stay in Miami instead of going to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and uh, Florida State. Right. All right. So week five of the NFL has come and gone. The Patriots and the 49ers remain undefeated. I mean, yes, undefeated. Sorry. By, but the Jet, the Jets, the Bengals, the Redskins all remain winless. This week, we have added a new section to the show called Fluke or Real. Are these teams a real deal or will they fail before the season is over? As the season goes on, we will determine which teams are real and which are flukes. So to start, off, start us off for the first time this episode, we'll start with the 49ers. Go ahead, Webb. Are they a fluke or are they real? I think the 49ers are legit. I mean, seeing what I watched them play the Browns last night. And I know the Browns haven't been as good as people thought they were. Uh, overhyped has been the word, but their pass rush is legit. Nick Bosa is the real deal. Their secondary is good. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's just got to work on his consistency because he did show signs where he was just inaccurate with the football. He just made not good decisions, but I think once they button that up and they get everything rolling and consistent, I think the 49ers are the real deal. Okay, so this is where you and I differ. I think that their defense is definitely the real deal. I mean, they're like top five in every defensive category, so I can't take that away from them. But I think that they are a fluke, and I'll tell you why. Because they played the Browns, the Bucks, the Steelers, and the Bengals. None of those teams have winning records right now. I mean, the Bucks who are high, I think, but I believe they're really two and three. They've been able to put up some points. But they still, the 49ers still need to show and prove that they can be what people say they are against a tough opponent, which they will have a chance to do so this coming Sunday uh, against the Rams. But keep in mind that they also do play the Rams and the Seahawks twice before the season ends. Um, also add in the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints for the remainder of the season. So I think, you know, they will be an over 500 team, but I think that they will come short of their ultimate goal, which makes them a fluke. Now, they're hot right now, so a lot of people are riding their train. They beat the Rams, then they have a really good chance to probably win maybe 11 games this season, and then that would make them a real team. I think Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida together are nice as like a a one-two punch for running the ball, because Matt Breida, once he gets in space, he's really fast. He's really hard. To uh, get a hold of, and even Tevin Coleman as well. Once they get in space, man, they're just really fast. But I think, I think the only real concern for me with the 49ers is just Garoppolo because I just haven't seen enough of him 
at least consistency wise him coming off that ACL injury I haven't seen enough of Garoppolo for me to really put my money down on Garoppolo so other than that I think the 49ers are legit and I think them playing just winless teams just gives them time to put down a system at least auto at least offensively that works gives them time to mesh so we'll see how they we'll see how they play next week I'm I'm actually really curious to watch the 49ers the thing about them we can bet for them to be really good offensively um first of all they have to not let um Kittle be their number one receiver when he's a tight end they have to be able to incorporate their receivers they have some really good young talent guys that are really fast when they get in open open field can make plays but beyond they have Kyle Shanahan as a head coach and he's an offensive mastermind he's the reason that Dan Quinn looks so good in Atlanta for so long and you can see the difference when you have Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman and Kyle Shanahan is their head coach in their run game the plays he calls for them is so efficient it's so fluent but when you look back to his days in Atlanta and you compare Devontae Freeman to where he's at now. Devontae Freeman has not been that effective since Kyle Shanahan has left. So yes, I think that if they can get their offense clicking, they really have a chance to be a real legit team. I just can't really put too much on them right now with them beating the Bucks and the Browns. Their defense is great. Offense has to come in a little more and I think that we probably will see that at some point in this season where their offense just looks almost unstoppable. Find that Garoppolo was also Tom Brady's understudy, so he he learned a lot during his time in New England, and maybe we see a glimpse of that type of uh, quarterback going into the future. We don't know, but let's go ahead and move on to the Bills. They're four and one. Are the Bills real or are they a fluke, Webb? I think the Bills are a fluke, to be honest. I mean, their defense, their defense is. I like their defense. The pass rush is decent. Just. Josh Allen is just unreliable. He, he's playing okay right now, but for how long? I mean, even with guys like Colt McCoy, when he's got when he started uh, in recent memory, he's played well. Even with Fitzmagic, Fitzmagic, same way. He'll play well for a while, and he, he's going to break your heart. And I'm just not sold on Josh Allen. I'm just – John Brown's their best receiver – I'm just not seeing much other than the defense. They got to get their offense under control and at least at least consistent. Now, I agree with you. They do, they do need consistency from the, uh, the offense. That was one of my key points. They need consistency from their offense, just as consistent as their defense are. Is. But the Bills um, have one of the easier schedules this season, and they won't get tested until – Week seven when they play the Eagles. I mean, they're playing great right now. The quarterback situation is not really playing that great. If Josh Allen could ever really, you know, get focused, get his mind together, be more confident, they have a really good chance to do something special for the Bills, at least for the Bills. Maybe not for the league-wide, <clears throat> but at least for the Bills. You think about when you play the New England Patriots. They nearly beat them with a terrible quarterback in there. And then the the backup, uh, Matt Barkley, who got in. So the Bills have a chance to to have a great record. Um, I think that this team could be the real deal. 
if their quarterback is consistent in their offensive play. If they get, um, they have Frank Gore, who's been playing phenomenal, but they also have to get Devin Singletary healthy to help that balance out that backfield. We have seen in the first two weeks when he was healthy, where he was able to bring balance to the backfield and, um, you know, move the ball up the field. I agree. Seahawks, also another 4 and one team. Are they real or fluke? Honestly, I think the Seahawks are the real deal. Russell Wilson, uh, in recent years, was a factor in the Seahawks winning because of guys like Richard Sherman, the Legion of Boom, all that good stuff. But now, at, at this point, the Seahawks are winning games because of Russell Wilson. I mean, <clears throat> look at his stats. 268 passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks. His QBR was 151. Russell Wilson is a nightmare if you give him time in the pocket. He's a nightmare if he's flushed outside the pocket. He's just hard to he's hard to contain, hard to get a hold of. So, as long I mean, I don't like the fact that the Seahawks lean so heavily on Russell Wilson, so to speak, to really make plays and put points on the board. But as I feel, as long as Russell Wilson can stay stay healthy. I think the Seahawks are the real deal. I mean, with him throwing the ball, four t- if he's throwing four touchdowns and, and stuff like that, I think they got a good shot. You know what? I agree with you. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. He's off to his best career start since he's been in the NFL and has some career highs right now. Seattle is one of the teams. They're putting the league on notice that they are one of the teams to beat this season. Um, but I just want you to clarify something up so nobody gets anything confused because you said um, that the Seahawks are relying on Russell Wilson um, too much for his playmaking ability. And I, I want you to clarify that up because as a quarterback, you want a, a quarterback that's able to make big plays but what exactly do you mean that they're relying on that too much? Do you think they need to rely more on their, their backs, their receivers, or what? Like, what do you mean? Because I don't want nobody to discredit what you're trying to say. Well, yeah. I mean, for example, like uh, Tyler Lockett's catch in the, in the back of the end zone. Who, who could fit that ball in there besides Russell Wilson and maybe guys like Tom Brady? I don't know very many, but stuff like that. I'd like to see the Seahawks, like, maybe get their run game more established. I mean, Chris Carson had a good game, but just consistently week to week, I just, I'd like to see more than just Russell Wilson. Obviously, I love seeing Russell Wilson. I love seeing the plays that he makes. I just think that once teams get a little smarter and they realize okay well we figure Russell Wilson out we figure the Seahawks out that kind of thing got you I understand so really you just want them to get I mean their passing game and in Russell's ability to scramble is, is okay you want them to be able to use their running backs to help balance that offense so it doesn't you know Russell doesn't have to throw 40 passes a game or something like that I got you exactly all right so Breaking news, you guys seen it. Many people said it needed to be done a long time ago. 
The Washington Redskins fired Jay Gruden after an 0-5 start to the season. Was this decision overdue? I say yes. Over the last six seasons, including the, the start of this season, he has only been to one playoff game, and he lost that game. And that was in his second year as a coach. He's only been over 500 twice, and that was barely. It was by a, they had an 8-8 eight and eight season, and then they had a 9-7 and seven season. And I'm sure someone like the Dolphins will fire Brian Flores after the season's over and hire Jay Gruden and give him credit when the Dolphins are somewhat competitive. I think it's long overdue, right thing to do, bringing a new coach, bringing a new system. Obviously, what he had there was not working. He's had um, the talent. He's had the defense for a few years now. He's had a, a great tight ends. And I think his biggest problem was he hasn't really had a a good quarterback. But if he can, if anybody in Washington can develop a quarterback and get that team going, they have the pieces to really at least be a 500 team consistently. So this may be a start of them rebuilding, just depending on what type of coach they bring in there permanently. What do you think? I mean, honestly, uh, <clears throat> you, you mentioned a lot of things that I was going to say, but I guess one thing that I can add to that is I never, Jay Gruden never really struck me as like a leader, like a guy that the team really follows and gets behind. You know what I mean? He's just, he kind of struck me as like, your friend opposed to your your leader gotcha. and like like you said before his game plan simply just it didn't work and the way he threw Haskins in the game with no reps with the starting unit to me was very I just don't know how to describe it I don't have a word for it I don't have a word for it. He should have, I would have fired him after that game just to put it, just to try to give you some type of idea how I'm, how I was feeling after that. I would have fired him after that game. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that if you're going to, uh, I know he was your first round draft pick, but you already know that Case Keenan was playing very bad. And you knew that there were chances that Dwayne Haskins was going to make an appearance that game. He should have went ahead and said, you know what, Case, you're going to sit and you're not going to play this week. I'm going to play Dwayne Haskins and see where we go. So many times we just depend on those veteran players, no matter how terrible they are. And um, this is just something that you cannot do in a professional sport. If you have a veteran player... If they're playing terrible, the least thing you want them to do is continue to uh, – the worst thing, actually, is to let them to continue to tear the team down and, and make your record worse. But the best thing you could do is to let them stay on the, the sideline and coach up your young quarterbacks. Example, uh, New York with Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. And that's how it should have been handled in Washington, and maybe things could have been a little bit different to get his confidence up, Dwayne um, Haskins' confidence up. Really, they didn't even have to put Dwayne Haskins in. They could have put in Colt McCoy. I mean, obviously, Colt McCoy, he's not the greatest quarterback, but he's not a scrub. Like, Colt McCoy has started before, and he has won games before. Mm -hmm. So, you really didn't, you didn't have to put Dwayne Haskins in the game, or even if you didn't think he was even remotely ready, that didn't have to be an option, because Colt McCoy... Colt McCoy's on roster. I agree. Here's another question. 
what must the Falcons do to turn things around in Atlanta? You got a, you got an answer to that, Web? I think they just need to reorganize their offense, their offensive scheme. To be honest, I mean, I like their coach, Dan Quinn. I like, I like his, I like their coach. I just, I don't know. I think they should just reorganize their offense. They have all the talent in the world. What do you think? I think the Atlanta Falcons have been one of the league's biggest disappointments over the last two seasons. In 2018, they finished 7-9 and didn't make the playoffs. And this season, they're on that same pace. They need to play defense. And by, by meaning that, they are like the worst, one of the worst defenses in the league right now. They're, I think they're the second worst right now. And um, they need to incorporate Julio Jones in their offense by passing the ball to him. He's their biggest offensive threat. You have to run different type of plays and not use him for so much for the verticals, but throw him the slants, throw him the routes that he used to run in his early years. He can still run those routes. He's shown that he's explosive. You give him the ball, you know, seven a seven-yard in or five-yard in route or a quick slant, and he's going to make a big play. Also, I know you said you like Dan Quinn, but he needs to be fired. It's time to fire him. He's been in a danger zone for two seasons now. He's bringing him down. You have to bring in somebody else. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen soon, especially if they don't win this week. I mean, it's clear the mastermind in Atlanta over the last few seasons was Kyle Shanahan. He's now in San Francisco. So it's time for the Falcons to move forward from Dan Quinn and go ahead and find somebody who will uh, create offensive plays that will get Julio Jones going as well as Devonta Freeman, who is a great running back, but is just not in a good system right now. I just want to add this. Uh, I just want to say that the Falcons did lose Keanu Neal for the season, and that is a big loss on defense for them, especially in their uh, run stopping. But also, like I said before, I think they just need a new offensive scheme. Like Kyle Shanahan, when he had Kevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, they had an established run game. And that's what made the pass so dangerous for Atlanta. And I think they need to get back to that. Absolutely. Who's your player of the week this week? Uh, that would be Russell Wilson. 268 passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I like Russell's pick. And it does. There you go. That's what settles it. I got Teddy Bridgewater having to bounce back games after his uh, – Horrible appearance against the Rams. This week, he's 26 to 34, 341 yards, four touchdowns. Looked really good out there, fluent against the Bucks D, who forced four, turn- four turnovers against the Rams two weeks ago. If Teddy keeps playing like this, it's very likely he's going to be paid this offseason and he will not be a backup. We're going to go ahead and move forward to the NBA. Got some news for you guys, got some questions out there. Um, as the NBA preseason is underway, of course, it couldn't start without some drama, right? So there were some great matchups over the weekend, but the biggest story, believe it or not, is centered around the Houston Rockets. The Rockets GM, Daryl Morley, sent out a tweet about Hong Kong and China's government. The tweets have caused China to ban the Rockets and any affiliated team in the Rockets organization from China. On Friday evening, Morley tweeted and then quickly deleted an image that said, Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. China responded by saying they are in a strong opposition over his offensive remarks. 
And I just feel like when we conduct business in other countries, we have to be mindful of their government and respect their laws. Um, even if, you know, it, it goes against human rights. This is something that is more of a internal affliction between, you know, uh, the different uh, states, the city laws there, the government in China overall. I don't, I don't think this is something that's happened overnight. It's an ongoing issue. I do think that since China is the biggest expansion project as far as the NBA goes, it's, it may hurt the business relationship with the, the NBA overall. China will not air any games featuring Houston Rockets. They have suspended all activity, all streaming of the Houston Rockets. And it's only a matter of time before it says all teams. And which is sad because Yao Ming is a native from China who played for the Houston Rockets, which made basketball so much popular in China. The, the league has expanded and has different uh, semi-professional leagues there in in development with the um, Chinese Basketball Association. So I think overall the, the NBA will get financially hurt from this decision. Um, I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm not saying that he's Daryl Morley is wrong for how he feels. I'm just saying that you have to be mindful and respect other countries' governments when you're doing business there. You said, you said what did what did Daryl Morey say? Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Right now, they're going through it like an internal um, affliction with the government system, the way it is set up there, and um, you know people want their rights. People want their rights. Yeah. I'm I'm all with that. Yeah, I heard I heard some about that. Uh, they're just tired of the communistic system, but I don't want to get into politics. But uh, I don't have anything problem with I don't have any problem with Daryl Morey's uh, response to that. But in terms of hurting the NBA, I I, don't, I mean, sure they'll go from making sixty billion dollars to. $55 billion. I mean, I don't think it'll hurt the NBA that much because people who like basketball are going to watch basketball. I don't like 2K, but I play 2K because I like basketball. If you get where I'm trying to go with this. But um, I'm not sure what else to say, to be honest. It just, it is what it is. It is what it is. Like I said, I don't have a problem with what he said at all. I just think you have to be mindful of, of other people's governments when you're doing business there. And just being that one of China's is one of their biggest expansions. I mean, sports are all sports now are now trying to go global, do this global expansion. So, you know, I think they can repair the relationship, but that's that. We'll move on. Here's a question that came in. It says, is Shaq, is the in good for the NBA? I mean, good for the NBA uh, sure I mean people who listen to music and aren't crazy into basketball they might have heard of uh, Dame Dollar or whatever you know just a, just an extra look at something different you know I'm not sure if it is good or bad on the NBA you know I don't think it has any effect on the NBA at all I think it's just something fun to look at yeah, I, I don't think it's a problem with the NBA or good or bad for it. It's entertaining. Uh, we, we've been laughing at Shaq's takes and, and Dame's takes. And I, I know Shaq, he'll probably take some of those 
uh, things that were said as talking points on Inside the NBA when the show airs back up. But to flip the switch, Dame needs to focus on basketball. Basketball season is in full effect, and be, he needs to focus on becoming a to the other teams in the West. Like, yeah, we get it, Dame. You can rap. You got bars, but what have you done in your career? That's one thing Shaq has asked. What really have you done uh, between being demolished by the Warriors multiple times in the playoffs? What really have you done? It's time to focus on basketball. It's not either good or bad. You know, basketball is entertainment. Rapping is entertainment. I think it just goes hand in hand, and they'll move forward. This is, won't be a real beef. This is just, you know, people that's not, just going that's not, that's not fair coming from Shaq. Like, that's coming from a guy. What can Dame really say? I mean, the farthest Dame went was the Western Conference Finals. I don't think it's really fair that Dame has to take that coming from a guy at one point in time was averaging 35 and 15. <laughs> like, but let's move on. All right. So MLB playoff updates. The Yankees have advanced last night to the ALCS as they put a sweep on the Twins. Yankees are my pick to win the World Series, but they will have to get past either the Astros or the Rays, um, which will play today. Um, and the winner of that series will play the Yankees. And the Astros, they have the 2-1 to one lead right now. The Dodgers and the Nationals are tied up 2-2, and whoever wins to, um, Wednesday, tomorrow, will advance to the NLCS and will face the winners of the Braves Cardinal Series, which is also tied up. So baseball is about to be electric, crazy over the next two days. If you can, tune in um, today. In the WNBA, the Connecticut Sun and the Washington Mystics, um, Ella, Elena uh, Deladon is playing with, with her hurt back. Um, not sure the diagnosis of it. I think they changed the diagnosis of it again. She willed her team to win on Sunday. The Washington Mystics led the series 2-1. to one. They will play tonight at 8. If they win, they win the championship. That's all I have. Do you have anything else before we close out, Web? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll see y'all in the next episode. All right, Friday. You guys know that we have the uh, games of the week. You could guarantee we can guarantee you that Florida and LSU will be one of the games of the week, and I believe Texas and Oklahoma will be another game of the week. It's gonna be some big showdowns this weekend. And so Friday we'll have those in for you. Make sure you send in your questions at anchor.fm forward slash build the heat forward slash message. Again, I'm your host, Day. I'm along with Webb. We out here. See you Friday.